Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi everyone, welcome to Dishing with Digest, now on Spotify, so listen on Spotify. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi everyone. Well, Mara, we mentioned a few weeks ago that we were putting together a section of the greatest soap stories of all time, and the results are in. So my favorite soap storyline of all time is Who Killed Diana Taylor on GH, probably followed by Bowen Hope in New Orleans on Days. Um, but for this, you know, we really tried to steer clear of romantic tales, and we really focus more on stories that actually, like, define the shows. So at Bold and Beautiful, viewers voted Stephanie's death as tops, followed by Maya's transgender story, which Torsten Kay recently said was actually his favorite storyline, too. And over a day, the overwhelming vote went to Will coming out, followed by Marlena's possession. I was surprised by how handily Will's coming out storyline won uh, the number one slot for days, but surprised in a good way, because that's the type of story that has always spoken most to me as a viewer. I think like ones that explore a social issue, but within the context of characters we know and love and families we know and love. Uh, The top pick for GH fans was Maxie getting BJ's heart, which was a spectacular family drama that was arguably the biggest tearjerker ever on soaps. And YNR fans also picked a really poignant story involving the tragic death of a young character, Cassie, uh, as that show's best ever tale. I think we're seeing here like the pattern that the tales that linger the most in people's minds are the ones that just get them in their heartstrings. Right. You know, it's actually funny in light of my picks that those are like not the stories that resonate (laughs) with me. Um, What about you? What are your favorite stories of all time? Well, I will, I will always have like the most special place in my heart for the story of Stone's AIDS on GH. Um, I actually wrote my honors thesis in college on that storyline. And um, there was a mystery on Guiding Light years ago that I thought was really superb, the who killed Gene Wetherill story. And I loved um, the really intricate and often hilarious story of Todd turning out to be Vicky's brother on One Life to Live and Dorian and David Vickers conspiring to pass David off as the heir to the Lord Fortune. Um, But as as a viewer, generally speaking, I respond so much more to pairings than I do to storylines per se. And that's how I sort of frame my viewing in my mind. And I have like my most and least favorite storylines for my favorite couples, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. 
I mean, I definitely respond more to couples. Um, I know when I first started watching soaps, I was really drawn to like the romance and the family dynamics. And later, the more adventure type tales that they played a lot of in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't feel as connected to the deaths and illness stories. Um, that really wasn't what I was looking for in my soap viewing. Um, and truly, as an adult, I really don't get into them. But, you know, it's mainly because I've actually dealt with that kind of stuff in my real life. And I just don't find it at all entertaining or I don't want to get engrossed in those kinds of stories on screen. Yeah. You know, by and large, illness and death are like not at the top of my wish list for soap viewing either. Um, I think the deaths of BJ and Cassie were exceptions because they were done so exceptionally well. Um, I do think they were more engrossing than they were entertaining (laughs) because they were tough to watch. Um, You know, when I think back to what got me hooked on soaps to begin with, I think it may have been a gravitational pull to a particular star and my investment in their character more than it even was to who they were paired with or whatever storyline they were in at the time. Like, um, I know you and I have talked about this before, but you are a big fan of Hilary Edson, who you first watched and loved as Tanya on GH. I am. Um, But I was introduced to her when she played Stacey Winthrop on Another World. And my favorite character was Vicky as played by Anne Hage. And Stacy and Amanda were so terrible to her when she was fighting uh, Jamie for custody of their son that I never got over it. And I actually held like a weird immature grudge against <laughs> Hillary when she started playing Eve on Guiding Light. Like 11-year-old me would have fought to the death for Vicki Hudson, let me tell you. Hey, I loved Vicky too, but yeah, I loved me some Tanya and I just thought Hillary Edson was so beautiful. Um, but you know, I think the great thing about soaps, which I imagine people who are, you know, staying at home have discovered is the ongoing nature of the storytelling and the ability to explore so many different life experiences, be it happy or sad ones or life affirming ones or funny ones or romantic ones. Yeah, I think you're so right. And, and to add on to that, When I wrote about soaps academically, one thing I wrote about quite often as part of the seduction of the genre is the fantasy of community that it offers. Like, especially now as we're quarantined and separated from our neighbors, our friends, our family members, um, there's something extremely appealing about entering into a fictional world where everybody is literally up in everybody else's business (laughs) 24 seven and they show up unannounced at their homes and they barge into their offices. And when they go into a restaurant, they know everyone else who's eating there. Like it's a kind of like a particularly comforting concept at a time like this. You know, that's a really good point. I mean, if anything, these shows are now a reflection of the life everyone hopes to get back to sometime soon, but also provide great escapism right now. Um, You know, one story I am currently hooked on is that bold and beautiful Sally has been faking her illness. Um, I actually did not see that coming. All right. I I personally have never understood faking a fatal illness. Like first Caroline (laughs) did it on BNB a few years back. Now we've got Sally doing it. Like you are just asking to be busted because if you don't die, (laughs) the jig is up. Uh, But I, but I digress. It's, It's definitely a twist I'm into. If it means that Courtney Hope gets to stick around to Sally. Uh, I've always enjoyed how plucky and ambitious she is. And I hope this is something that ends up further invigorating that character as opposed to diminishing her. Absolutely. And we will certainly be seeing more of our guests today in this story. It's Katrina Bowden, who plays Flo, and will definitely have more of a part to play in this tale in the weeks ahead. She's joining us from her home in Los Angeles. And let's get her on the phone to talk about everything that's going on with her character and her very exciting past on 30 Rock. Hi, Katrina. Hi. 
How are you? I'm doing well. Pretty good. How about you guys? We're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, we're so- certainly happy you could join us today. Yeah. From, from across the country. That's right. <laughs> um, but actually you are from our side of the country. From what I understand, you were born and raised in New Jersey. Um, so just tell us about growing up there. Yeah, I was born and raised in Northern New Jersey. Um, I grew up in Wyckoff and, uh, at, the age of 17, I moved into New York City and then uh, lived there for nine years. So you started out as a model, I think, when you were still in high school. Like, how did that all come about? Uh, yeah, so I yeah, I started modeling when I was a teenager, um, about 14 years old. Um, it's also the time I'd started taking acting classes in New York. Um, I lived pretty close to New York City, so I would um, either take the train in or my dad would drive me or my mom would drive me into my acting classes. Um, and I started just auditioning for commercials and, and, uh, and modeling jobs and just a little bit of all of it. And it was just really fun. I, um, I always just loved being in front of the camera, whether it was modeling or acting. Um, but then once I started taking the acting classes, I really fell in love with, with that. Um, and so I, I, it was basically like my extracurricular activity after school every day, I would go into the city, um, and do, auditions or shoots or whatever it was. And, uh, that's kind of just how I, I guess I got, I got into it because I, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to give it a shot. And we had had a family friend who had their, uh, their kids doing some like young kid modeling and I just wanted to try it. So my parents let me and, <laughs> and here we are today. <laughs> well, how did you ultimately transition into acting? Well, I was, I was going, I had like, I had a modeling agent. Um, it's just, it's very different. It's a very, very different world. So I had a modeling agent and then I had, um, like a manager for going out for commercials and little tiny, like, like law and order SVU and that kind of like guest spots. And so I, I just, um, I never, I never officially stopped modeling, I guess, just when my, when I, my acting career became busy. It just kind of fell to the side and I stopped doing it um, in that sort of way. It's not like I made the active choice. Um, but I liked I liked acting better because um, there was just more to it than standing there and looking pretty. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, don't undersmizing. Under <laughs> oh, I would never. <laughs> um I mean, I, I liked, I liked both. I just liked being in front of a camera, but like the idea of performing and um, becoming a different character was way more exciting to me and what I liked more. So your, your first gig was a short-term role. It was in 2006 on One Life to Live playing Brittany, a mean girl. Tell us mm-hmm. about getting that job. So I got that job right when I graduated high school. Um, I was 17 and, uh, it was a pretty quick process. I, I tested, um, for it and I had never done a soap before. I had barely done anything beyond commercials at that point. And I remember being so blown away by how fast it moved (laughs) when I was shooting it. Um, it was kind of a whirlwind and, um, I did play this very mean high school character and, it was short lived because shortly after I was not a, I was just a recurring character, like a, you know, we might have you on a little bit more, we might not type of deal. And then I, I booked another show that was um, a series regular role and decided to do that instead. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, what do you remember about your time on One Life? I know you worked with Kristen Alderson, who played Star. Yes. So I, yes, I worked with her. You know, it's so long ago. I don't remember a whole lot. I just remember um, we had to get there early and 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 block rehearse everything a lot. It felt like almost like I was doing a play. Um, everyone was really nice. Uh, I remember that. Um, and I remember I was blown away by the cameras because they had, God, if my memory serves me right, they had cameras that um, were like robotic. So they didn't have like people operating them. They were kind of like swinging down from the ceiling. <laughs> I don't know if I'm exaggerating that in my memory, but I, they, the way that, because like on, on Bold, we have camera operators and they're moving around and it's all very choreographed. But I remember there were a couple cameras that didn't even have people attached to them. They were just kind of moving. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I'd never worked on something where you had so many cameras going at once and moving from all different directions. Had you ever watched a soap before? Like, did you have any um, no. background with anyone? Okay. <laughs> I had so never. Was new to you. It was all very new. But then again, I was, I was so young. I mean, everything was new to me at that point. <laughs> I hadn't <laughs> um, really had any experience in the industry. I had been modeling and I did like some little things here and there, but I was really just like absorbing everything that I could every chance I got to be on set. Mm -hmm. So right after that, you got your big break when you landed the role of Suri Xerox on the critically acclaimed sitcom 30 Rock. So how did that gig come about? So that, I had auditioned for the pilot for that about like maybe like eight months or so before um, this new opportunity came up. I they thought I was a little bit young for the role at that time, but I, they, the pilot got picked up. Then they shot the pilot with a different girl and um, decided they didn't like that person for the role anymore. They remembered me and brought me back in um, to audition again. And I was like, Hey, I remember this. This is just like that thing that was really funny. Um, and then I auditioned for it. They called me back in. I read with I read with Tina Fey like two days later, and then like a day after that, I got the call to tell me that I booked it. There was it was the quickest process. <laughs> it never happens like that. It'll probably never happen like that ever again. Um, and I was supposed to go to college because I was seventeen and I had just graduated. It was the same time I was working on One Life to Live. Um, I was supposed to go to college um, in New York City. But like a week later, um, I was supposed to start and I just didn't go. <laughs> I just <laughs> um, moved into New York. I lived in my parents' house for a while and then I moved into New York City like around the time I turned eight, like right, right before I turned 18. Um, this is like a very, it's all happened in a very short amount of time. I can't remember the timeline exactly, but it was all between like late July and early September. My birthday is September 19th. So that's kind of like the, the time frame that all this happened. Um, and yeah, and then I just, you know, uh, that ran for seven years and I, I learned everything I know now about, about comedy from all of those people that I worked with. And it was like a big family. Well, what was that like for you? I mean, here you are, you're so young, you're in this job, there's Alec Baldwin and Tina Fey. I mean, were you intimidated? <laughs> like, what was that vibe like um, at first? You know, looking back, I think I was a little bit too young and naive to be intimidated. I think I'd be more intimidated now as an adult somehow. Um, I mean, yes, of course, I was a little nervous. I was the youngest person there. I knew that I was the least um, seasoned and had the least experience. I was nervous, but they made me feel very 
comfortable right away. And everyone took me under their wing because they knew I was this young kid and they knew that I was at a point in my life where, you know, I needed good role models and they were that for me very much. Um, it was, yeah, it was a little overwhelming at times for sure. And I, I look back at, you know, early seasons and I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a baby and I don't really even know what I'm doing yet. But um, I just, I learned so much from being on that set and it was, it was amazing. It was one of the best experiences of my entire life. Um, can you hit me with a, with a Tracy Morgan story? Oh gosh, I have so many. <laughs> um, so some of them are like, are not very appropriate though. <laughs> um, he like, I mean, I'll tell you a story, but, but before that he, his favorite thing. So we shot at this uh, studio called Silver Cup Studio in Long Island City, Queens. Um, other shows shot there too. Um, and some shows were just kind of like working out of there as like pre-production or the production office would be there and then they would like shoot on location outside. Um, but we were inside the building mostly always. And he, his favorite thing was to be in the elevator with people that we didn't know and just say like completely inappropriate things and just like <laughs> look at everybody. Um, but one, uh -huh. one thing, so my dressing room was right next to Tracy's and he always had music playing or the TV on and they're always like, he always had friends in his room. He always had like his crew like hanging out. Um, and he loved, he loved playing, you know, old songs, R&B songs. He loved Michael Jackson songs. And so I was used to hearing Michael Jackson songs from his room and uh, I was getting a little tired of it. You know, it was the same <laughs> songs over and over and over again. And then one day I heard a different song and it was like the soft rock song. And I was like, wow, this is oh, that's different. He's listening to something that's not a classic Michael Jackson song. And then I listened closely and the lyrics are beat it. It's someone who did a cover, like an American Idol cover of Beat It, and that's what he was choosing to play. So he's still listening to Michael Jackson's song, just like a different version of it. Um, and I went into his room and I was like, are you seriously? <laughs> like, the one time you play a different song, it's just a different version of the same song I hear every day. <laughs> he, he, was, he was a funny guy. That's amazing. How do you remember your life changing when 30 Rock became such a big hit? I mean, everything changed. I, I you know, I was this young person and um, was suddenly, I was working, you know, which is rare for someone that age. Like I was working almost every single day at that point. Um, I was living on my own, which was also kind of rare for someone that age. Um, so I just, I, I think I just had to gr like grow up really fast and I was ready for it and super excited for it. And no part of it like scared me. It was more just like this really cool thing that I wanted so badly. Um, and then obviously, you know, things changed because I started getting invited to cool parties and, um, you know, fancy events in New York City. And we were, we got, um, the first time we got nominated for the Emmys and the SAG Awards and I got to go to all of these award shows for, you know, like seven years. Um, so that was, you know, a huge change and people, you know, caring about you. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like I, you know, I'd never, I'd never been in that, that position before because the show, you know, it started out people like it was critically acclaimed, but no one watched it. So we were like constantly like a little worried that we were going to get canceled for the first two seasons, even though we had won best comedy at the Emmys twice. Um, and you know, nominated for other awards. 
every year for those two seasons. But it was season three when Tina Fey went on SNL and started doing the parodies of Sarah Palin that got our show a lot more attention publicly, like to the masses. And that's kind of when um, I noticed a huge shift with people caring more about the show and knowing it more and like recognizing all of us on the street more often. Um, So that was a big shift. And it just, I mean, it changed everything for the better. I mean, I owe that show, you know, everything because without that I wouldn't have had the other opportunities that came my way and um gotten in the door for other things that I I worked on later on um yeah everything changed (laughs) um do you remember the first time you were recognized first time don't really remember the first time or a memorable time you know what (laughs) this is funny um I lived in New York City and I people in New York are very very different than people anywhere else in the world, <laughs> as I'm sure you guys know. So yes, whenever yeah. I got record, whenever I got recognized in New York City, it was never like an, oh my God, oh my God, I love that show. Oh my God. It was never that. It was always someone who would just pass me on the street and go, love the show. And then they just like walk away. <laughs> so those weren't very like memorable moments other than the fact that they were kind of, they were kind of funny, you know? Um, I actually got more interesting recognized stories from when I was in Australia recently. Um, and they were all bold and the beautiful fans. Well, I was, so I was working in Australia for about six and a half weeks and, um, I just would be like doing like my grocery shopping or walking down the street and people would come running up and, you know, say that they loved the show and just like went out of their way to come and talk to me, which mm-hmm. hadn't, doesn't really happen that often for 30 rock. I feel like people, Mostly when, when I get recognized for 30 Rock, people want to like come up to me and be funny or like say something witty, <laughs> if that makes sense. So um, it's, it's never, it never really goes over very well. So um, <laughs> uh, I can't, you know, I can't remember any like crazy stories, but. I am one of those people who watched 30 Rock from day one till the, till the very end. And certainly it had such a parade of like A-list celebrities <laughs> coming on as guest stars. Um, who to you were like the most memorable guest stars that you got to work with or interact with on that set? Jennifer Aniston and uh, Matt Damon. They yeah, were, I mean, those two, they're, they're just, they're, you know, uh, who? <laughs> um, they're just, you know, they're iconic actors and they were all, they stand in my memory because they were also so nice and so cool and so down to earth. Jennifer Aniston was just the coolest and so sweet. And um, Matt Damon was the same way. And they clearly just were having a lot of fun, which I feel like sometimes, you know, is a little bit rare these days. If you meet like a huge A-list celebrity, they, you know, they take themselves so seriously or they're just so used to being um, seen a certain way that they kind of like lose the like have fun part of everything. So they were just having so much fun and they were so sweet. And I think the cool thing about our show is that so many of these people wanted to be on the show. From what I know, from what, you know, our producers have told us and what Tina had told us is that, like, people's agents were just calling in saying, how can we get our client on the show? And they were, like, people like Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) So so cool. It was very, very cool. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Thrive Cosmetics. When it comes to beauty products, there are so many choices. Why not demand more from your favorite brands? I'm more motivated than ever to stick with high quality, amazing products that are both vegan and cruelty free. That's why I love Thrive Cosmetics. The reason they are called Cause in cosmetics is that for every product purchased, 
Thrive gives back to women in need by donating funds or products. Their causes include women emerging from homelessness, women surviving domestic abuse, and women fighting cancer. That makes me feel really good about each purchase. One of my favorite products is the Bright Balance 3-in-1 Cleanser. I've been using it for a week and I'm shocked at how soft and smooth my skin is. I highly recommend it. Thrive Cosmetics really work and they are vegan, 100% cruelty-free, and they don't use parabens or sulfates. Thrive Cosmetics is a beauty brand with a bigger-than-beauty mission, which goes beyond skin deep to empower women everywhere. Start thriving and help women in need today by going to thrivecosmetics.com slash dishing and use code dishing for 15% off your first purchase. That's thrive, C-A-U-S-E, medics.com slash dishing and use code dishing for 15% off. Again, that's thrivecosmetics.com slash dishing and use code dishing. Now, around the time that 30 Rock was ending its run in 2013, you tied the knot with your husband, Ben Jorgensen. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you meet? I know you had met and then re-met. So tell us the story of that. Yes, it's a long, (laughs) it's a crazy long story. So I, when I was, mm, I think 16 or 17, um, I did a Fall Out Boy music video, uh, Dance Dance, and um, he was in a band called Armor for Sleep. And they were really good friends with Fall Out Boy. And um, he did a cameo in, their, that, in that same music video. And I knew who he was because I had had an ex-boyfriend who loved his band. And um, I went up to him and said hi and introduced myself. And, um, and then we kind of like hung out a little bit. But he was on tour and I was in high school. And <laughs> it didn't really work out. And we went five years without talking. Um, but he would send me an email just checking in to say hi, like once a year for those five years. And every time I got that email, it like broke my heart a little bit because I always really, really liked him, but it didn't work out. And I kind of was a little bit heartbroken about it. Um, And then five years later, we were both living in New York City. And I just happened to be at this like album release party for some band and he was there as well and we locked eyes from across the room and I got so uncomfortable about it that I left (laughs) (laughs) um and then he had like messaged me on Facebook saying hey I think I saw you at a party I was like oh my god really I didn't see you (laughs) um trying so hard to be cool (laughs) um and then uh we you know after that first message he was like oh we should get together both living in new york and i was like oh my god oh my god and we we did and and then i eventually admitted to him that i did see him across the room at the party (laughs) but um and then once we started hanging out then we were engaged um when we were married three years later that's a very sweet story yeah that is um so uh Shortly after you got married and 30 Rock ended, you moved to Los Angeles. What prompted the move to California? I wanted to buy a house. <laughs> That's pretty much, I mean, I, we had um, been living in New York, renting apartments for, I mean, I've been renting apartments for nine years at that point. Um, I wanted to buy something. And so we were looking at buying an apartment in New York. We kind of got like kind of far along with the building that we were living in, buying a unit in the building because we liked the area. We lived in um, uh, Greenwich Village, 
and I just love that area. So I was like, if I want to live, if I want to live somewhere in New York, I want to live here. Um, and then I, I was running, um, I was running the New York city marathon. It was my second time doing it. And I broke my leg at the end of the marathon. It was, it's a crazy long story, but I, I had like a stress fracture that I didn't know about. And then my, I broke my leg and I was on crutches and this was like early November. So like I had, I was on crutches for about two months. And during this two months, I was just sitting on my couch. Um, and I had just finished shooting a TV show. So I had no work to do, which was great, you know, obviously, because I was on crutches, I wouldn't have been able to really do anything anyway. Um, and I just started thinking a lot about New York and I started thinking a lot about property buying and just like started looking online and, and what's available in LA. And I always liked LA. I had to go out there pretty often for work. Um, and I was like, what if we decided to just do that instead? And, um, and then of course, when you're on crutches in New York city, there's like nothing worse than that. So I think (laughs) it just started wearing on me a little bit. And I was like, you know, I think I'm just ready to, to, to make the move and and have a little bit of a change. So we did. And we bought a house out here and I miss New York sometimes, like certain things I miss about it. Um, there's definitely no place like it, but I really love the lifestyle I have in LA. Yeah, it's great out there. Yeah. Um, so let's fast forward to when B&B came along. Um, was this the first time soaps had come across your radar since One Life? <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Um, yeah, it it was the f- yeah it was the first time. This one specifically, you know, it's been on for such a long time, and I had always heard, um, you know, about it from you know my family members who watched it and. Um, I knew it was be like a really good one to be on. Um, and I was like, you know what, let's go in and, and like see and like have fun. And I, I'm the kind of person, like I just love working on things I haven't done before and doing something different. So when the audition came to me, I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. This could be really fun. And I knew at the time that like that Wayne Brady was on the show and I was like getting like rumors that like this character would maybe work with him. And like, they were very, they're very secretive though. They don't tell you anything. So I was like, okay, whatever. Let's see what this is. Go in and I meet every, I audition once and I audition again. I meet uh, Darren Brooks and then I meet Brad Bell and um, some of the other producers. And they were all just so lovely and so nice. And I remember at my audition, um, where I auditioned with Darren, the thing that made me go, ah, you know, I think I'd really want to do this, um, is I hadn't even gotten the offer yet, but I was, I was like, at that point, I was like, if they offer it to me, like, I really want to do it because these people are awesome. I was in this audition room and usually audition rooms are just, it's such a weird experience. I can't even really explain it to fully, um, encompass how horribly weird it is, (laughs) but usually there's just like a bunch of guys like staring at you and then you finish and they're like, great, that's great all right, have a great day. And then you leave like awkwardly. So in this room, room, um, I finished my audition and I'm ready for that awkward ending to happen. And I was about to leave and they're like, wait, hold on. And I was like, okay, yeah. And they're like, so what are you going to do for the holidays? And where does your family live? And oh, that's crazy. His family lives in New Jersey. Oh, wow. And it's just like this long conversation. I was like, these people are really, really nice. And they seem to... um, care not just about, you know, obviously if I can act and if I'd be good for the part, but they just wanted to get to know me um, right off the bat. And so that kind of made me go, these people are are really cool. And, um, you know, now that I work with them all, I know that to be true. And they really genuinely care about all the people that work for them, which is 
so rare and, and so wonderful. That's very nice. So um, you were thrown into a huge storyline right away. No, you know, warming up um, mm-hmm. as a key player in the Beth baby swap. So when you think back on those busy first few months on the show, what stands out in your mind about getting your feet wet in such a way? Well, first of all, working on a soap is so different than how other TV shows run. Just like certain lingo that they use, um, obviously the way that the cameras operate. And I know that I had been on One Life to Live, but it was so long ago and I was only on like a few episodes. So I didn't really have anything that like fully prepared me for what I was, I was, um, getting into. And I can describe the first month as I was just trying to keep my head above water. <laughs> or I guess like like the first two weeks were, were like that. Um, I had so much material. I'd never had so much material to do every day ever. Um, I remember, God, the, the day before I was I started, they sent me my pages for the next day. And I had 27 pages of scenes. And I was like, I don't, I think there, I think there's a mistake. There must be a mistake. Um, (laughs) I was like, this must be for the week, right? And they're like, no, 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 it's just for tomorrow. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) What did I sign um, on for? I was like, this is going to be interesting. Um, But that being said, I've always been really good at at memorizing and kind of um, just like listening to the other actor in the scene. And if I don't remember my exact line, just kind of like, you know, faking it until I get there. (laughs) So, um, So, and I I was working for those first two weeks pretty much only with Wayne Brady, who was also very new. Um, And so, you know, I was like, hey, like, if you can give me any tips, he's like, I don't know any (laughs) any tips to try to figure it out. Um, But uh, Darren Brooks and some of the other actors really, you know, took it upon themselves to, you know, show me the ropes and, and, and explain things to me and help me out and give me tips wherever, wherever they could. And also, like, I didn't really, I didn't really know who the character was at that point, too. Like, I didn't, I didn't really know exactly where the story was going. So, um, I knew like little bits. So, you know, at first, I thought like we thought that the character was like, you know, wanted to be in on it. But then they were like, no, 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 we don't. You know, so it it, cha- it changed a little bit. So, um, I think they realized like pretty quickly that they wanted the character to, you know, have this really overarching like o- overarching storyline amongst this. So, um, it was kind of like for those first two weeks, I was definitely still figuring out who the character was because at the end of the day, she's like she's like car dealer from Vegas, so she's you know, not you know, she's a little bit rough around the edges. So, um, we're trying to figure out how to like balance that with being a sweet, nice person at the same time. Well, viewers soon learned that Flo was the high school sweetheart of Wyatt. So there was a backstory there. Um, Mm -hmm. how would you describe your relationship with Darren Brooks on and off camera? Uh, I love working with Darren. I think he's such a good actor. So I, I think whenever we're in scenes together, it's just really easy. Um, meaning like it's just easy to play off of him and work with him. Um, and we have just really good onset um, chemistry and we kind of understand each other. And I think we work well as actors together. Um, and I think we, 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 we both love to have a little bit of fun too. So we, we like to play around and, you know, um, play around with different things and make things like funny and interesting and try to just bring different things to the characters. Um, and then off, off camera, we're great friends. Um, he's such a great guy. Uh, really did take me under his wing when I first started, which I appreciated so much. 
Um, and I'm one of my best friends is his wife, Kelly Kruger. And so we go on double dates with them all the time. I mean, not, not recently, obviously, but, um, <laughs> we usually do. And, um, we just all become really close. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. yeah. And that, that Everly is kind of a cutie. Oh my, she looks like a cabbage patch doll. Like she's so cute. The cutest yeah, baby I've ever seen. Adorable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when we podcasted with Darren a few months ago, he told us he had never seen 30 Rock. And uh, oh. I'd like to know, do you, do you plan to pressure him to write this terrible injustice? <laughs> I didn't know that. That would be oh, well, yeah, I, well, yeah. I've, well, I've never seen Blue Mountain State, so maybe we'll do a swap. <laughs> yeah, this would be good, good quarantine entertainment. It would actually. They're both <laughs> funny shows, so it'd be perfect. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Blue Mountain State, actually, how, how did you react when you found out that Denise Richards was coming aboard to play your mom? Well, first, I was very flattered, uh, <laughs> and I was very excited because she's, you know, she's an icon. Uh, she's Denise Richards, and um, so I was very excited. I was also just excited that I was going to have a mom. You know, I was going to have like a different. Um, you know, family connection. And so that was cool. And I was just excited to work with her. And she is so nice and so down to earth and so cool. She's just, uh, she's awesome. And what has it been like to create that mother-daughter relationship with her on the show? It's been really fun. I mean, we're we're both, um, we're very similar in a lot of ways, I think. And um, we've just, we've become pretty close um, in, in the process. And um, you know, she, when she first started, she had never done anything like this either. So I was just kind of explaining like how it was for me when I first started and, um, just trying to help her any way that I could, because I knew what it was like being the new person, <laughs> not really, you know, knowing how to, uh, to do all of it and do all of it well in such a short amount of time. Um, and so we, we became close really quick. And, um, I think that's important too, to like with the people that you're working with to really have a nice relationship with them off camera, because A, it makes working with them a lot easier and nicer, but it also just kind of like bonds you in a way that, um, that you wouldn't have if you didn't really get to know your co-star. So we've made it a point to get to know each other. And, um, and we just, we, we have like a lighthearted banter on and off camera. And I think, you know, it really works. So, uh, yeah, she's she's great. She's so funny too. <laughs> it's so fun to do our our little like mother daughter scenes. They are funny though. The dynamic between the two of them. It's because it's like friends, and sometimes I feel Flo is the mom. Oh, totally. And like I I kind of draw that from like my own relationship with my mother. My mom my mom is so cool. She's like the cool mom. Um, but there are definitely times where I'm like mom what are you doing? <laughs> so it was pretty, pretty, pretty seamless for me to like play that type of uh, mother-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Shauna is not the only family connection Flo now has. Um, you know, B&B really wove the character deeper into the fabric of the show when it was revealed that Flo's father is the late Storm Logan, making mm-hmm. her niece to Brooke, Donna, and Katie. So were you excited that the show was so invested in your character to make her like part of one of the first families? Oh, definitely. I thought that was so cool. And I didn't, you know, they, they kept that a secret from me. So I didn't know until... I think I heard like a, like a rumor about it, like from onset. <laughs> and then, um, when it was finally revealed, I was like, Oh my God, that's so cool. It's so awesome. It just like, it just, it makes what it did, you know, t- to me, I think is it made that relationship between flow and hope and like the, you know, 
ultimate demise of that relationship so much more powerful because it wasn't just like some girl that she, you know, knows. It makes it so much deeper than that and hurts so much more, which I think is so much more interesting. And then, you know, now they have something that whatever they do with our characters in the future, they have like a deep, deep, you know, like ugly thing that happened between the two of them, which could be really interesting to explore. And also as an actor, I was like, that's really cool because, you know, it's an iconic family line and lineage to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Did you take it as like a compliment that they made you a Logan? Because that's obviously them really saying like, we want you to be here. We want you to be part of, of this legacy. Yeah, you know, it, I did because, you know, at the time I had signed on for a year and I was kind of like, okay, you know, I might do a year or whatever. I don't know what they're going to do with this character. Um, but that really did kind of weave her in deeper. And I thought that was awesome. And it was such a compliment. Now, as far as Flo and Wyatt, you know, been a lot of complications <laughs> in this romance. Mm-hmm. Um, the latest, of course, is that Sally has a fatal disease. But as we learned on camera, Sally is actually faking. So yeah. were you as surprised <laughs> as we were by the twist? Yes, <laughs> I was when I, when we thought, you know, I think we all were, we were all kind of like, wait, what? Um, I mean, I love it. I think it's, you know, I feel like no character on the show can be hundred percent good. You know, everyone has to have like something that they've done that's, you know, bad. So I think this was like, you know, the, the Sally characters turn, I know she's done bad things in the past, but like now it's her turn to like have this secret, which is just kind of cool. And also I, you know, at first, I was like, why would Flo let Wyatt move in with her? You know, like, I was like, I know that she's just being really nice, but it is kind of like, it's a lot, you know, to to ask. Um, and then when I found out that she's not really sick, I was like, oh, so they're just setting this up to be like the ultimate, you know, deceit. So um, I thought it was, I thought it was a really interesting twist. Um, tell us about working with Courtney Hope, who plays Sally, and you're the third member of your little triangle. Yeah. Um, she's great. You know, she's such a good actress and, um, we, I mean, we hadn't worked that much together. We had had some scenes here and there and they were always pretty like tense and catty. Um, and they will remain to be that, (laughs) but, um, we've been working a lot, but before we've, you know, went on this, you know, break. Um, we were working a lot together for a few weeks. Um, there's a lot between us coming up and, um, it was really fun because she's always so prepared and she's really game to like, you know, explore the different scenes together and, and, and make them really, really good. And she really cares, which I appreciate so much. And, um, it just gets really interesting between the two of us because our, both of our characters are very, they're, they're strong, characters. And I think, you know, Flo's strength comes out even more coming up. And so to have two really strong female characters, um, butting heads is, was really fun to play and, 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 and work with. Uh, so I've really enjoyed it. So would you say you're team Flo or team Sally? Me? Well, I'm team Flo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> like, who do you think? Who do you think is a better match for Wyatt? I think Flo is. That being said, there's an asterisk on that because I play the character, and not just for my. I just more like I have to. I identify with her more than I identify with Sally, I guess. Um, and the way that I see it is that if it's your 
childhood sweetheart, the one that you've been in love with forever. It doesn't matter who else comes along. That person's always going to be in the back of your head. Um, so even if he did move on with Sally instead, uh, I just don't think he would ever get overflow completely. Mm-hmm. But, then, but then again, he might not ever completely get over Sally. So, you know, there's something to be said about both relationships and they both obviously have really good relationships. Otherwise there wouldn't be such a love triangle. Um, but yeah, I think, I think his heart ultimately lies with Flo, but I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> Um, So you've gotten to do a lot already, but what's on your storyline wish list for flow moving forward? Oh, I mean, I've done, I've been in jail. I've, I've given an organ. Uh, I was like, like, what else can I do? Like, um, what is on my wish list? Well, you haven't done an evil twin. That, I, haven't, that I, haven't, I haven't done an evil twin. I haven't gone into a coma. I don't really want that though. Um, <laughs> I would like to slap someone. I've been slapped, <laughs> but I haven't slapped anyone. So that'd be great. <laughs> Well, my, my, my advice is, is uh, you know, uh, run afoul of Quinn because she seems to be doing a lot of slapping these days. She does a lot of slapping. <laughs> her and, and, and uh, her and Brooke. Just lots of slapping yeah. going on. Yeah, you might you might have a chance with other yeah. ones. Yeah. Just like run onto the set while they're doing a scene and see where see where the the the, the and just uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's well, I don't advice. want to be slapped. I've already been slapped. I don't need to have well, that happen again. Oh, right, I want to be right. the slapper. Yeah, yes. I want to be the slapper. I've been the slappy. <laughs> um, now, separate from the soap, do you think you'd ever want to do another sitcom? Uh, yeah, I love TV. So I, you know, I love, uh, I love comedy and I love, I love the soap. I just, I just really love doing television period. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I would, I'd be open to anything. And, uh, what else is like on your, your list of career goals now that you've been, you've been a working actress for a, a good while now? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like I, as an actor, I, like I said earlier, I love doing new things and being challenged and trying different types of roles and different types of, of work. Um, so I'm never like a hundred percent fulfilled anywhere. Like I always feel like I want more, you know, or something different. So, um, I, you know, I've never done like an action movie. I'd love to do something like that. Um, I'd love to play a superhero. <laughs> that would be very cool. Um, but you know, one of the things I really love about B&B is that we have, we're given so much time off and Brad is really, really great about letting actors go do other things. And so I was able to do a bunch of, a few movies last year, um, all different types of genres too. So that really left me feeling so fulfilled because I have this amazing dramatic, TV job that I love. And it's like this family now. And then I can also like take a couple weeks here and a couple weeks there to go do something else that fulfills me in a different way. So that's one of the, you know, obviously other than just being on the show and loving the show, that's a huge part of why I love being a part of this family is because I get to do other things when I have time off, which is very, very cool and very rare. When I was on 30 Rock, I didn't get to do anything else. So um, I mean, I did a few things like during the the summer hiatus, but um, it wasn't the same. So uh, I just feel very lucky to be able to be fulfilled in so many ways. But yes, I want to do an action movie um, or like a superhero movie would be my like, you know, dream kind of role. 
Well, we've put it out there, so you never know now. Mm-hmm. That exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great to talk to you. Yeah, so thank much you fun. so much. It was really fun. Yeah, so fun. Thanks for having I look me. Look forward to seeing what Flo is up to next because yeah. the story is just heating up. Yes, totally. there's a there's a lot of fun stuff coming up. All right. Well, thanks so much, yeah. Katrina. Thank, thank you for you your time. Guys. Have a good day. You too. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Katrina Bowden for being our guest. If you like this podcast, we're on Spotify, so listen on Spotify. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.